On this evening's programme, we conclude a two-part programme which looks at the story of two generations of West Cork veterinary surgeons. Nilis O'Driscoll arrived in Bandon in 1915 when the horse ruled the roost. Nilis became horse doctor to the feared and hated General Percival and the Essex and Wessex regiments based in Bandon. As he gained their trust, he began passing vital information to the IRA, risking his life obviously in the process. In 2014, and over the space of three very enjoyable days, I recorded an interview with his son John, who was, like his father, a legendary veterinary surgeon of renown, a storyteller and character, affectionately known as John Doc O'Driscoll. John died in September of 2016, on the eve of his 85th birthday. This evening's programme is the conclusion of both their stories, but there's a little extra. We also bring you the history of the Poor Clare Sisters in Cork, and there's a connection. It was at John's request that I broadcast a programme on these Holy Sisters who are based in College Road in Cork. So, a lot said, but way more to do. Good evening and welcome to Where the Road Takes Me. John's father, Nilus, came to Bandon as a newly trained vet in 1915. In a way, it was a baptism of fire. At a time when the horse reigned supreme, Nilus was appointed horse vet to the Essex and Wessex regiments whose headquarters were in Bandon. They were commanded by the hated Major Percival. Nilus's position afforded him the opportunities to pass on information to the local IRA, which he did at great risk during Ireland's War of Independence. Later, Nilus was grooming his son John to follow in his footsteps, and after coming through veterinary college, John joined his father in practice. Coming up later, how life got easier for vets and farmers, new drugs and new diseases to deal with, from initially treating horses and pigs to treating small animals and pets, and Scallenberg, a disease to keep a wary eye on. But as the old saying goes, behind every great man, there's almost always an even greater woman. And such was the case for John Doc O'Driscoll. Yeah, I got married in Dublin. The reception was in the Grand Hotel Malahide. And we went to Jersey on our honeymoon and on to uh, London to her sister for a week. And coming back and bringing her home to Bandon must have been a fair shock for the girl. Uh, Carmen was from Dundalk, but she was living in Dublin with her sister. She was a contometer operator in Dublin. That was a precursor now to um, these machines for doing adding a machine, if you like. Mm-hmm. What was her first impression of Bandon? She was a bit scared, uh, particularly um, <laughs> I had brought her down to one or two hunt balls before the final had come. And so the poor creator was looked at it and <laughs> she was like a prize here for going around <laughs> looking at my all the cousins. <laughs> All the, the O'Driscoll and surrounding family were checking her out. Checking yeah. her out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it must have been very hard for her in the first few years, knowing very few around the area. And then I wasn't a very good husband because mealtime I'd be for lunch. Father always liked lunch at dinner time. But I might arrive at four or five o'clock and be gone again. And we were lucky, I suppose, in a way, we had a daughter very early on, and that helped the scene in a great way as well, with bonding between mother and the child and the whole lot. She was a, turned out eventually in life to be a very good golfer, a good tennis player, and not a bad poker player either. Hmm. <laughs> During his lengthy career as a veterinary surgeon, John Doc O'Driscoll has witnessed many changes in animal welfare and treatment. He has also done battle against a variety of diseases. Entry to the EU has brought free movement, and that in itself has brought its own problems. 
John, we had our own, as we call them, local diseases. Because Ireland had very strict quarantine restrictions and the importation of cattle, even dogs coming in, had to go into quarantine for quite a while. We didn't have rabies or we didn't have foot and mouth or we didn't have a lot of things. Whereas now restrictions, we are now part of the EEC, so there's freedom of movement. So nowadays both local vets and government vets have to be very careful because other strange diseases from the continent can slip in on us. Varying diseases called uh, blue ear and pigs and things like that we have to watch out for. Foot and mouth disease, I never saw it, but there was an outbreak up the country and fair play to all the veterinarians. They kept under control. Again, it's a matter of eradication. Terrible scenes to see maybe hundreds of cattle being slaughtered and burned and put into quicklime and things like that when this happens. But um, thanks be to God, uh, so far so good. Your father, when he died, he he was retired at that time, but still because he must have been so well-known all over the area that there must have been a lot of sadness in the area. And then you got promoted after that and you became the council vet then. Yeah, my father, as I say, was a character. He always had a funny story. Uh, In those days, life was a little bit more relaxed and the traveller would come and visit the house here and sit down and have a cup of tea and uh, they'd discuss what he was going to buy and then have a cup of tea and father would ask him what's the latest. So he'd pass on the latest bit of a story to his father so he would recount it around the, the country the following day. As I said, John, you know how times have changed. My professor in college told me that at one stage he held in his hand, in the palm of his hand, the equivalent of a half a million pounds worth of penicillin in the early days. The big change in my time was sulfonilamide. That was the first of the sulfur drugs that came out. And father used to use it and he would say to the farmer, and this is the drug that cured Churchill from pneumonia. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the advent of phenytizing was a new drench for horses for worms. That became a multi-million deal throughout the length of Ireland. All the horses that had been suffering from worms were now being treated for worms effectively. Council. I had to do an Irish exam and uh, I was reading Shana and we were talking and then I mentioned Christy Ring, Marniac Donafar, a very good hurler and we talked for a while and then he said to me what's the Irish for a referee? I knew Ray Tor, but I couldn't think of it so I said and fan, a far a vink shint and fad dog the man we belong the whistle. He said, Ta, come on, we shook hands and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> 
I suppose one of the uh, the unfortunate things about being a vet is that now and again you're called on to put a particular animal to sleep. Not a very pleasant thing to have to do. John, as I said to you, I loved dogs. I grew up with them and cats as well. When I had occasion to have one of my own dogs put down or to go put him asleep myself, I always empathized and sympathized with the owner of a dog or a cat that had been put down. In many cases, this dog and might have been a family, nearly a family member. I could understand their grief. Now, if the dog was in extreme pain or had been badly injured in a car accident, it wasn't too bad. When you had a healthy dog, for some reason or other, the owners wanted to put down and you couldn't get a home from, it was not a nice job. Not a nice job. During his career as a vet, John came across a number of strange cases that required a certain amount of investigation and time to solve. Such was the case at one establishment where calves were being poisoned. Uh, a number of years ago, there was this very big establishment and they had built a beautiful calf house for carrying a couple of hundred calves. Suddenly, calves started getting sick and dying in tremendous agony. Uh, no matter what one of our veterans went out to them they came back with the same story they couldn't cure them or save them so I sent some of these cars up by train to the laboratory in Dublin there was no laboratory in Cork unfortunately they came back they couldn't find out anything reason why these calves died and this went on for a while and I kept sending up some of these calves to Dublin and then one day I had a phone call from the director of veterinary services to say he was coming to see me so he came, we had lunch, and then we drove out to this place. And on the way out, he said to me, have the sheep? I said, yes, they have a flock of sheep, but they don't dip the sheep themselves. I said, why do you ask? Well, he said, only a few weeks ago, we've got in a new machine, a gaseous analysis machine from America. And we now discovered why your calves died. They died from poisoning. I always suspected it, but I couldn't prove it. They died of the constituents of sheep dip, allergen, glamoxin, and something else, dildren. No cure, he said. We went out, we met the manager and his man. We went in and visited the calf house, and he was looking around, and he was taking samples, and I said, I've done all that, and we found nothing. Now, to make the calves even more warmer, we had put sleepers over the pens and put bales on top of them to insulate them very well. And as we stood at the door to leave, he said to the workman, why is that bale moved? Oh, sorry, he said, because we have the calves out and we're using the bales for the larger cattle. Come back in here, he said. We walked back in and he got the farmer lad to move the bale and there was a bottle of boots, sheep dip. Somebody who had access to the calves while they were being fed was carrying this bottle around and throwing this into the milk and poisoning the calves. Now, that particular dip was not sold in Ireland. There was only one member of the house. Nobody ever said he did it, but we all knew. And in due course, the workman said to me one day, Mr. So-and-so has gone on his holidays and he won't be coming back. And I just smiled and said, I agree with you. So the mystery was solved. And funny enough, it was only heifers. He never poisoned a bull calf, only heifer calves. Strange. Strange. Yeah. Never knew why. Never knew why. But at least, at the end of the day, the mystery was solved. 
And finally, as we bring part one of the programme to a close this evening, let's look back at the many years of veterinary practice in Ireland and wonder if there was a particular time or defining moment when life got easier for veterinary surgeons. Very good question, John. And the answer is yes. When the government brought in a scheme for the eradication of TB, that meant every farmer in the country had to have at least one health test in the year, maybe more if he had reactors. Now, that took away this thing of vets going into yards because every vet in every area was going into every client they had to test. As I say, the herd owner got his own herd number. And as the cattle were tested, they were tagged. And then if they passed the test, they got a blue card and that was their passport to go wherever they wanted. So nowadays, the customer can feel very happy, great traceability from the farmyard to the table so you don't have to worry when you're buying meat today. Uh, testing and has changed a lot since when I started, John. Nowadays we have lovely crushes because they're compelled to have crushes for the facility of the vet and to safeguard the cattle. When I started testing way back in the 60s, we'd go into a farm, the cows would be stalled up, that would be fine, the calves would be there, that would be handy enough. But then the trouble would start. There might be 10 or 15 yearlings or two-year-olds loose. Now the trouble was, how are we going to catch them? Luckily, I had two great men with me, John Hurley from Dunanway and Paddy Hurley from Bandon, two fearless young men. And they would dive into these cattle and try and corner one, catch them by the nose, hold on until somebody put a tongs in the nose or a halter on the animal, and then... I would come in and try and test the animal as best we could, but you were always in danger of getting kicked or animals walking over you. So life has certainly changed in a big way and makes testing an awful lot easier today. This evening's edition of Where the Road Takes Me is a tribute programme to well-known and popular West Cork vet, John Doc O'Driscoll. The programme was recorded at his home on Kilbrogan Hill. Part two of this evening's programme is close by. Close by.